Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. Thank you and praise you for this opportunity to gather together, Father, to worship you. Father, we pray now that everything done and said today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. So uh, high school sweethearts, and, and they never got married. And they went to their 60th high school reunion. And he finally decided, today is the day I'm going to ask her to marry me. And he asked her, and she says yes. And he's so happy. And he goes home later that night, and he forgets. And he says, did she say yes, or did she say no? 60th anniversary, right? 60th reunion. So he says, you know what? I'm going to call her. So he finally decides to call her and goes, hey, I remember asking you, and I remember you answering, but what did you say? And she said, I said yes, of course. And he said, well, that, that just makes me so happy. She said, but can I tell you a secret? I said, yeah, I'm so glad you called. He said, you are? She said, yeah, I couldn't remember who asked me. <laughs> All right, so, um, so my kids gave me grief over my title. So if you don't like it, eh, send it to the complaint box. It'll be okay. So, so last week we talked about how God communicated silent for 430 years and then there was a break. And so this week we're going to expand on that a little bit more. So it was angels and donkeys and bushes, oh my. Angels and donkeys and bushes, oh my. Lions and tigers and bears, okay, maybe not. They got it. Um, so angels and donkeys and bushes, oh my. We're going to talk about all the ways that God communicated with his people throughout years. And not just with his people, with, with people in general, right? And, and there are some unique scenarios where God communicated with people in some not so normal ways, right? And so we're going to start with, um, in the beginning, which is a good place to start. Um, so if you will, turn with me to, oh, let me open my book, Exodus. Exodus. Anybody know who's in Exodus? No, it's our guy Moses, right? <clears throat> Exodus chapter 3 is what we're going to read. So, so Moses had already been like pushed out into the river, found, raised by the Egyptian princess, right? And then, then realized that he, is, he was not Egyptian and he's left. He's actually married by now. And uh, so in verse 3, I mean in chapter 3, verse 1, now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. <clears throat> All right, and then we're going to come down uh, to, and the angel of the Lord appeared in flames of the fire from a, within a bush. And Moses saw it, <clears throat> and <clears throat> though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Yeah, I imagine so. Can you imagine being out in the woods and something catching on fire and it just keep burning for no apparent reason? Um, <clears throat> so I will go over and see this strange sight, for why did the bush not burn up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called from him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses answered, here I am. And God said, do not come any closer and take off your sandals, for the place that you are standing is in holy ground. We just sang that just a second ago, right? So God showed up, and it's, I've always thought that the, 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 the I mean, I can, anybody else have in their imagination what the burning bush looks like? Uh, if he saw it from far away, it, this, is not a, this is not a bush, right? This is a bush. 
This is a big bush. It, it had to get his, this is a tension getter. Like, hey. This is, and then he moved over, right? And he walked over to see what the heck is going on. And God took the opportunity to speak to him and give him instruction, right? Hey, hey, look, I got some stuff going on and I need you to do some stuff, right? <clears throat> but don't come any closer because you're in the presence of Almighty God. And by the way, take off them nasty shoes because uh, you're standing on holy ground, right? Nowhere else that we know of in the history of the world has God ever appeared in a burning bush, right? This is a unique scenario, all right? So at the time, God didn't necessarily have a prophet at the time. At this time, right, the, the Israelites were in captivity and Moses was hanging out with some sheep and goats and whatever. And there was really not anybody like in tune and serving God, right? I mean, the Israelites probably were in their own levels, right? I'm not saying they weren't, but, but there was not a prophet of name, right? So God had to give them an, some information and he really needed Moses to, I got a job for you. I'm going to send you back to Egypt. You can do some stuff and then you bring my people out, right? So he used the burning bush. How about if y'all were like, go home this afternoon, maybe tonight, well, tonight's not a good scenario. You could possibly see a burning bush tonight, right? With all the rednecks that live around here and the gunpowder and the things that they're going to set on fire, you could possibly see a burning bush tonight. But if somehow in the middle of that, God starts speaking to you, take off your shoes. I'm just telling you from example in history, you should take off your shoes. It's going to be cold, but take them off anyway. So, so, but... Nowhere else in the history of the world has this happened, right? And you say, well, that's, that's pretty odd. And then I was talking to the girls last night. Um, we, we rode to Monk's Corner and ate some dinner, and we were talking about this. And uh, we're talking about the burning bush, and that is pretty odd. But the next one, the next one's slightly more odd, in, 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 in my opinion. And maybe not in your opinion. Maybe you think, man, that's, that seems more normal. So if you will, turn me to the book of Daniel. Uh, the book of Daniel, and we're going to say chapter 5. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar, that was the, the king that threw Daniel lines in, he, he's gone. This is his son. All right. <coughs> um, and they had done some stuff that was not so great up into here. But so five, Daniel 5, 5. And suddenly fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. And the king watched the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale because he was so frightened, and his legs became weak, and his knees were knocking. Y'all ever had your knees knock? The only time I can remember my knees feeling like they wanted to knock is when I was standing at the front of the church with granddaddy waiting on Crystal to come to the front. Right? That's the only time I can really remember it. <laughs> and, and that was not of the fear of the handwriting on the wall, I hope. I think it was in more of it. I'm excited, right? We were working on that. I'm not nervous. I'm excited. So here, a hand appeared. Now, now y'all would probably leave the house, right? If you had a hand appear in your house and it started scratching out in the wall, this stuff, and not only is it writing some form of writing, uh, it's not in your language and you can't read it. 
right? So the hand of God appeared and started writing in the wall. Well, I'd say it's God. I, I assume it's the hand of God. A human hand with fingers wrote on the wall. So long story short, because I got a lot of stuff to talk about, they end up calling Daniel, right? And Daniel comes and he reads the stuff. <clears throat> he, Daniel comes and, 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 and what Daniel says is, is uh, we'll skip down to 22, but you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all of this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven, and you have had the goblets from the temple brought to you, and your nobles, and your wives, and your concubines, and from them you praise the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which you cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God that holds you in his hand, your life, and all of your ways. Therefore he sent this hand that wrote the inscription, and here in verse 26, and here's what the words mean. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. For your kingdom is divided and given over to the Persians and the Medes. That's not good news. Can you imagine being in your house, hand appears, writes on your wall, we can't figure it out. <clears throat> Find somebody that can figure it out. And somebody goes, well, this guy named Daniel, he serves the living God, and he's pretty smart. And your dad thought he was really, really smart, and he put him over all of the magicians and all of the people that read the stars and all of the things. Maybe he can do it. And that guy shows up, and you're still thinking, man, this is going to be good news. And God tells you, you have been measured and weighed and come up lacking, that your kingdom is getting ready to end, and you think to be gone. Not good news, right? So everybody knows what happens, right? That night, uh, the Persians came in and killed him. Right? And he was removed, and there was a new king. So he set himself up against God, right? He went into God's place, and he, he stole the things out of the temple, and he worshiped other gods before God, and he would not humble himself in front of the living God. But here again... If you were trying to get a point across, a hand appearing in the bedroom and writing on the wall, probably a pretty effective manner, right? Because if you think about this, in this situation, right, Daniel was a man of God. Daniel prayed no matter what. Daniel worshiped God no matter what. God could have just told Daniel, hey, go tell him this, right? And what would this guy have said? Yeah, right. Good luck. I mean, right, he, would, he had set himself up against God. He didn't want to hear anything God had to say. So it had to be something extraordinary to happen to get his attention. And, and then he's dead, okay? All right, here again, lots of stuff to come. Going to the next one. This one, I am embarrassed to say my children did not know this story. Uh, turn with me to the book of Numbers. And they probably have heard it and just didn't remember the guy's name because they couldn't remember his name. Numbers chapter 22, um, and I am terrible with these names, so y'all just going to have to live with me, or, and I might skip them, or I don't know that bothers some of y'all, but I, I'm doing the best I can. 20, Numbers 22, 21, and Balaam got up in the morning and saddled his donkey and went them with the Moabite officials, 
But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose it. Balaam <clears throat> was riding on his donkey, and two servants were with him. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, he turned off the road into the field. And Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. 26. And then the angel of the Lord moved ahead and stood on a narrow place where there was no room to turn either left nor right. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it laid down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Verse 28, it, so far, it just sounds like a normal day with a donkey, right? They don't listen. They don't go to the right place. They're kind of stubborn. 28, the game changes. And I'm going to tell you, I would probably be okay with the writing on the wall and the burning bush, but this would probably mess with my head really bad. Verse 28, and then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. And it said, the donkey said, what have I done to make you beat me three times? I'm sorry, come again? <laughs> Can you imagine, like, hanging out? You just, you know, I mean, like, <clears throat> I think, I hate to say this, Crystal's got a little fuzzy dog, and she's pretty smart little cookie. In fact, if Riley comes in and hugs me and says good night, the dog gets up and goes to her room because she knows it's time to go to bed, right? We don't have to tell her. She just gets up and goes. And I think that dog's pretty smart, but I don't think she could have an intelligent conversation, right? I don't think she could. Why did you beat me three times? Uh, could you imagine? Can you imagine the feeling sitting on the donkey? And, 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 <clears throat> and the donkey said, why did you beat me three times? Oh, man, let's go. And 29, and Balaam answered to the donkey, you have made a fool of me. Wait a minute. So who's the fool now? <laughs> you have beat the donkey three times, right? And, and, and the donkey has done all this stuff. And Balaam answered the donkey. That is where, look, if you start answering the donkey, come talk to me afterwards. We'll get some prayer. We, we'll get you some help, right? One of them little buttons if you fall down because you need it. You have made a fool of me. <clears throat> and if I had my sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. Now, I would be thinking more about how I could get the donkey to the fair and charge people to talk to the donkey, right? Verse 29, oh, this, yeah, 29, 30. Oh, where am I at? Oh, and then the donkey said to Balaam, am I, not, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? And have I been in a habit of doing these things to you? Here again, no, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. And he bowed low and fell face down. And the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? Now, look, I've been in trouble for, like, spanking people I wasn't supposed to spank at the wrong time. Could you imagine standing in the presence of an angel of God and go, why did you beat your donkey? Well, number one is I didn't think you really cared. And number two is he mashed my foot and he fell down. And, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, <clears throat> long story short, Balaam ends up going to do what they ask him to do, right? And, and then he tells them, the, the guy's trying to get him to curse the Israelites. That's what's taking place here. 
and he ends up, you know, praying to God, and God tells him, you can't curse him, you can't curse what I have blessed, and the whole story works itself out. But the, but the crux to the story today is, is the donkey talked to him, and he talked back. And I don't know if, I, I really would like to hear the rest of the story. Like, for the rest of the donkey's life, you think Balaam like, looked around the corner and said, Hey, hey, you, you got anything to say to me? You, 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 you know what? I, I, or if you told the donkey to do something, he didn't do it. Hey, look, I know you understand what I'm saying, right? I've heard you speak my language, right? <clears throat> but here is... The donkey that God set up to save Balaam's life, right? Because the, the angel said, if the donkey wouldn't have stopped and, and you would have came into me, I would have surely killed you, right? Burning bush, fingers on the wall, donkey. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's far-fetched, right? In, 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 in the human mind, it is something that we don't comprehend, right? In fact, Hollywood would probably have a ball with this, right? They would build a whole horror movie or comedy. I mean, I think Shrek's got a talking donkey too. I mean, it is what it is. But at the time, God used the things that were at his disposal to talk to his people. Now, I'm not saying that God couldn't still use a donkey to talk to you, <laughs> or a burning bush, or fingers on the wall, or giant fish to swallow you and swim you away from where you're supposed to be. Uh, you know, there are things that happen to where God's, when God has a plan and people started going against that, God set it up to where it's going to work out. Now, I am just pleased that there's a better way, right? Did, I mean, we talked last week about how the angel showed up to Zechariah in, in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, and how the angel came to Mary, and Joseph in a dream, and then Joseph in a dream again, right? Uh, all of these times are where God's people showed up. But, but my favorite one, my favorite one, well, you got to flip a long ways to get back to my favorite one. But if you flip all the way back to the other end of the Bible, right? This is my favorite one. <clears throat> Acts chapter 9, verse 1. So the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And when he went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So, <clears throat> so that on... Hold on. So if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem... And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? <clears throat> now, not like Balaam and the donkey, he asked a pretty good question, who are you, Lord? And the answer was, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I am so pleased. <clears throat> in, in the story of um, in Balaam, right? If you go back to Balaam and the Tonka Donkey, when he gets to wherever he's going, they build seven altars, and they do a ram and a bull on each of the altars, and then they, they look at the stuff, and he talks to God, and then they climb down that mountain, and they climb up another mountain, and they build seven more altars, and they have another bull and <clears throat> another ram on seven altars. That sounds like a lot, right? 
The scenario here is when the flash of lightning happened, right, and blinded Saul, God sent Jesus to talk to him. He said, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, who you persecute, right? Up until the 430 years of silence, God used all kinds of things. At the end of the 430 years of silence, for a short period of time, God used angels. But if you look at that story of Christmas, right, <clears throat> Zechariah gets hit, filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesies. Um, John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit inside his womb. Later they go into the temple and the Holy Spirit comes on those people. And all of a sudden they start prophesying over the birth of the Messiah, right? <clears throat> all of a sudden the game has changed. There's no need for burning bushes or for donkeys or for hands that write on the wall or for fish, right? Now, once Jesus came, once the Messiah arrived, our communication with God changed completely. <clears throat> we didn't have to have a prophet. We didn't have to have a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies. Oh, wait a minute. We did have a high priest that went into the Holy of Holies and offered a sacrifice. Not one of bull or go of goats or rams, but one of a pure lamb of God and made a one-time sacrifice on the altar. See, when Balaam was doing it, they set up these altars. Nope. They went over here and they set up these altars, right? And they offer, offered all these sacrifices. <clears throat> Nothing they could do would ever equate to God's righteousness. But when Jesus came and he took his stuff, his blood, and he laid it down on the altar in the Holy of Holies, all of a sudden an opportunity arose for the people who would accept him as the Messiah, as the Savior had a direct link to the creator of the universe. Now, if God needs to talk to me, he don't have to send a donkey or a, <clears throat> a burning bush. Now, now some of y'all who've known me my whole life, you might think that's a little bit ironic that I have been a donkey's rear end about half of my life, and now I am <laughs> talking about what God wants you to know. So that's a little bit the donkey's still talking. I get it. I understand. <clears throat> but for the first time in history... Where Saul is, where Zechariah was, where John the Baptist was, where the 12 disciples were, when the Holy Spirit filled the upper room on the day of Pentecost, right? God created an avenue to where his people could speak to him. And the author of Hebrews really talks about it well, right? <clears throat> I got a tickle. So Hebrews <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 1. Hebrews 1, 1. In the past, God has spoke to our ancestors through prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir in all things, through whom he made the universe, Right? <clears throat> For the sun is the radiance of God's glory and it, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. <clears throat> and after he had provided purification of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So that he became superior 
to the angels. See, the old method, the old method, the burning bush, the, the writing on the wall, the donkey, the fish, the angels, that is all inferior to what we have now. Now, sometimes it's not as colorful, right? There's some other things. But it's all inferior to what we have now. <clears throat> this is like comparing um, the telegraph to the fax machine to the telephone on the wall to that little piece of thing you got in your pocket. I mean, can you imagine how much easier the, the Revolutionary War would have been if George could have just picked up the phone and said, hey, we're going across the Delaware tonight. Okay, all right, good. Can you imagine <clears throat> that change we take for granted, right? We take for granted. We, if, you, if you go back 150 years and then there was a Pony Express or whatever, right? If you wanted a letter and you wanted it to go somewhere, you took it and they put it on a horse and that guy rode it across the country. Y'all mailed any, anything by via horse lately? Now you can get on your phone and order it off of Amazon and it'll be here tomorrow. <clears throat> what we have is so superior to what they had. And we take it for granted. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit come into us when we were born again, creates a whole realm of things and communication skills, right? Jesus said that he is the comforter, that he comes here to minister to us and to teach us and help us adapt in John. Romans says that he helps us pray that he intercedes for us, that the groanings of the Spirit fill in the gaps of what we don't know how to pray. <coughs> so the idea of <coughs> angels and bushes and, and donkeys are all old and gone away with. Now, I'm not saying that God can't use those same things to come back again, but it's not necessary especially for the people that are in the body of Christ, right? The people that are in the body of Christ, there is no more 430 years of quiet time. There is no disconnect from God. If God's not talking to you or communicating with you or in a relationship with you, you need to look at you. Because the Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't left the table. Sometimes we get distracted and and bogged down into other things. But our communication with God, He is there ready, waiting, and available. As bad and as crazy as that sounds, that it, the creator of the universe cares about what I need, right? And, and look, that, that's a lie of the enemy. <coughs> Satan wants to convince you that whatever you're going through is not important enough to bother this guy. The same guy who made the donkey talk. <clears throat> when we look at where we are right now, 
and who we are right now. 1 Corinthians says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that he lives on the inside of us. We don't have to build seven altars and offer all of that stuff. The communication that we have with the creator of the universe is on the inside of us, that he dwells on the inside of us. We don't have to depend on having visions and dreams and, and, and strange things showing up to talk to us because God lives himself, lives on the inside of us. <clears throat> when Jesus showed up on the road to Damascus, God could have easily sent another burning bush, another talking donkey. <clears throat> In fact, Jesus sent himself when he was coming into the Jerusalem, they were chanting Hosanna and praise to the king. And the Sadducees and Pharisees was trying to get him to stop. And he said, I can't. Because if I do, the rocks and the trees will shout it out. God has the ability for those things to talk. But those are all second class compared to the connection that lives on the inside of us. And it's... <laughs> It's up to you. You, you, know, <clears throat> you know if you take this right here, this thing, and, 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 and it's, it's a tool, right? But it can be obsessive, but it, it's a tool. You know if you, if you leave it out and on for a period of time, depending on how new it is, what's it do? It dies, right? It dies. It's got a battery on the inside. And then does it work? No, it don't work dead. Mine won't even plug in anymore. I got to have the stupid thing that it sits on top of because the plug is so nasty or beat up or whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> it's dead. So then can I communicate with it? No, not until I plug it in. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you're not in me, then I'm not in you. So if you want to communicate with God, you have to be plugged in. We're not waiting on rocks or bushes or trees or donkeys or, or angels. Our communication with God only waits for us to plug in. And you, you, you remember what Balaam did when he finally figured out the angel was in front of him? <clears throat> Y'all remember? I, I, I don't know if I read it or not, but I know it was on the screen. He backed up and got on his knees and fell on his face before God. Right? That's how you plug in. When you take that time to get quiet and still and pray and meditate in God's Word and spend time with God, that's the plug-in session. And I'm going to tell you, I hear it boomingly loud. I have too much going on to take time to do that. Well, then don't be surprised if your cell phone is dead. Well, I guarantee you, every one of y'all figured, well, maybe not every one of y'all. Most everybody, everybody... 59 and down, took time to plug your cell phone in last night, I promise. Except for me, who was too much asleep when I put mine down and it didn't sit on the charger, so it's almost dead. <coughs> if you have time to spend time in Facebook or Tic Tac or Changeagram or whatever other things that you're on, you have time to get quiet and spend time with God. If you have time to talk on the telephone to some of your friends you have time to, if you have time to watch that box that hangs on the side of your wall or on top of your table, now some of them, I mean, they come in all shapes and sizes, you have time to talk to God. <clears throat> if you have time to go outside and exercise, 
you have time to talk to God. If you have time to go to the Walmart, you have time to talk to God. It is time for us in 2024 for our connection to God to not be waiting to be walking down the road and the donkey to talk to us or for the bush to catch on fire or for the rocks and trees to yell it out. It is time for us in 2024 to be plugged in to the creator of the universe, not just every once in a while, not just Sunday morning when you're sitting in the pew, but every day, every day, every day. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you and praise you that it will send out and it will not return void. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.